irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to The Horse Ownership Experience with Billy Koch and Michelle Yu, right here on LA Talk Radio. Midnight Storm, a brilliantly fast grade one winner by Pioneer of the Nile. Mike Smith just points him in the right direction. Midnight Storm dominating. Millionaire and seven-time graded stakes winner on dirt and turf. Midnight Storm over accelerators, finding the line well, but not well enough. And Midnight Storm has taken it by two lengths. From America's Hesire Line, standing at TaylorMade Farm. Horse Ownership Experience is brought to you by TaylorMade Stallions. Midnight Storm. Weanlings will be sold this year. Oh, I always screw that up. Uh, not this time. Mashawish, Midnight Storm, California Chrome, all standing at TaylorMade Stallions. Very excited to see Midnight Storm's babies um, for the first time. Travis White, call him, 859-885-3345. I'm Billy Koch. I'm the founder and managing partner of Little Red Feather Racing Club. With me, as always, is the uber-talented Michelle Yu. Michelle, welcome to the show. Billy, I'm so glad to hear your voice is better. Because you were rough on Sunday. <laughs> I believe that I actually, well, here's the, here's the uh, truth and we'll get right into this. Um, we took a shot and uh, ran Mirth in the grade one Rodeo Drive. It was a Breeders' Cup win and you're in on Saturday afternoon at Santa Anita. And all she did was take the field on a jolly journey, wire to wire. Mike Smith put on a Hall of Fame ride. Um, and uh, I screamed so loud that I think I damaged my vocal cords. I didn't even... That night after the race, I went home. I had tons of work to do. I went to bed at about 1030. I wasn't partying. I wasn't out drinking. Nothing. I just was, uh, I was very excited. I was very excited. You guys single-terried the grandstands for that race. What's that? Say it again. You guys single-terried the grandstands for that race. Yeah, we were, uh, we were going it was sh- The grandstands were shaking with you guys, jumping up and down and screaming. Yeah. Every person in the, in the racetrack on the front side turned and looked up at you. It was awesome. Well, you know, Michelle, we know how hard this game is. And um, to win a grade one is just, it's really the hardest thing you could possibly do. And for this Philly to do that was um, just amazing. Uh, the, the story was great. We were, Phil D'Amato and I, the trainer Phil D'Amato and I, were, were in, a, in my car on the way to the Facing Tipton California sale of yearlings. And we got a call from the racing office and they said, hey, you know, I don't know if you have anybody, but there's only five horses in the Rodeo Drive. And Phil and I looked at each other and I looked at him. I said, what about Mirth? We're going to run on Sunday and the two other them. Why don't we just run here? And Phil was like, "Okay, I'll call you back. And he just went on this like he had to look at everything and training and every, you know, everything going on. And then at the end of the day, he's like, "Okay, I think we can do this. Who do you want to ride? And I said, what are my choices? And he said, "Uh, Franco or maybe Mike Smith. And I said, you know what? I said, Gio's been great for us. Maybe Mike Smith. <laughs> yeah. He said, Gio's been great for us. And she, she, he's won, you know, he won two grade ones for us in the last two years with uh, Fault and Secret Spice. And uh, I said, but you know what? I said, yeah. I said, this guy, Mike Smith, he wins grade ones. That's what he does. And uh, so we, cho- we went with Mike Smith. We found out he was available and he took the call. And the rest is history. I mean, it was, it was something. I mean, just I, I don't really know. The emotions were really, really high. Um, 
because we know how hard it is. And I know I've said that, but also I was surrounded by a group of incredible LRF investors and partners and friends and family uh, who just were so excited. My, my buddy, Travis, I know he's listening. I know he's a good friend of yours as well. And he was, that was his first graded stake win. And he's, he was, a, and he's a big, like, you know, rough looking guy. Like he was emotional too. Oh, I, I love was, to see that. Yeah. He was very emotional. It, it, it just, and look, let, let's let's be honest. We're going into the Breeders' Cup and running against some of the best European turf fillies in the world and, and Sister Charlie and, you know, Rushing Fall from or whoever else Chad Brown's going to throw in there. We are not – we are going to be probably 30 to 40 to 1 in that race in the Breeders' Cup Philly American Turf. But you know what? Got to be in it to win it. Got to be in it to win it. And you know what? Crazy things happen. And listen, it's the same distance, the same course. We don't have to ship. There's so many things – uh, going for her um, that it's going to be fun. You know, we have, I think what it is, is in also we have no expectations, right? Right. Um, you know, she was Which six. Which makes a difference. It really does. She was six to one the other day, but we were still we were knew we were taking a shot um, and things had to just go perfectly for her to win that race. And they just did. Uh, and that's what it takes. We say it all the time. Pace and trip, pace and trip, pace and trip. We can't say it enough. Um, that's what wins races. And she was able to pull it off and we're really, really happy. It was, it was awesome. Michelle, it was awesome to do the interview with you. My grandmother had turned, would have turned a hundred that day. And my whole family sent an email out that day. So it kind of got shook me up a little bit. I know she, grandma Rudy was looking on and, uh, it was, it was really special. It was a special day and one that we will never forget. Uh, it was really great from our end too. And I had a ton of people messaging me after like, I like, they love to see an emotional side of people because I feel like sometimes um, maybe some of the owners like, oh, yeah, you know, or the trainers are like, yeah, it was great. But like, you know, we expected this or whatnot. So to have people really show like emotionally that it means something to win races, I think resonates with a lot of people that, that haven't been involved. Well, I hope so. And I hope there are, you know, there's always haters out there, Michelle. And there's people who I don't know. There, there's all kinds of different people. We know that. And, I, and it just it's a there's so many people that work so hard. I mean, Phil and his team and those grooms and the hot walkers and the his assistants and, you know, and everybody who works all day long preparing these horses and they do such a great job. And, and it means a lot. It means a lot to them and it means a lot to us. We have people who have you know put so much money into the game and they never have won a grade one. I mean, you can look around. How many people out there, how many owners out there have won grade ones? There's really, there's, I'm sure there's a, a good chunk, but there's a lot that had never have. Right. Right. And, and it's so, it is so incredibly memorable and special. And I keep using the same adjectives. There's, there's really no feeling I can describe it. I don't even know what I was screaming. I was screaming so loud. I, I don't even remember what I was saying, but I think I was saying <laughs> something like, like, you know, find a miracle Mikey or something like that like over and over again. I think I was screaming that like at the Sounds top like a good of my name lungs for a, for an, a horse, yeah, find a miracle, find a Mikey. miracle, find a miracle, Mikey. And, and anyway, so it was a great day and thank you. And thanks to uh, all the fans for all the kind uh, notes and, and, and on social media and the whole thing. Wire, awesome. wire, wire. Yeah. My guy's Ruben. He was screaming wire the whole time. They must have uh, bet their lungs. So it was a great day. It was a great day. And then we come right back. But see, here's the here's the next thing. Then you come right back the next day and you run Secret Space at four to five in the Zenyatta and you get beat. 
Yeah. So it's like it is this like emotion, this game. And we've had so many guests on the show that have talked about the emotional roller coaster that is horse racing ownership. And we experience it. And and but I had to tell people afterwards, like you just ran second in a grade two. Let's not lose perspective. Our filly ran an unbelievable race. She got she just caught Paradise Woods, who is a, a really, really, really good, good horse on a really good day. She relaxed. She got in the clear. She did everything that Paradise Woods is supposed to do. She mm-hmm. did. She ran a 99 buyer. She ran an unbelievable race. And Secret Spice was fighting inside the 16th pole after setting really fast fractions on a on a. Yeah, she went like 46 and one, yeah. didn't she? Oh, it was crazy. Yeah, and 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 over a deep and tiring track. Uh, I I kept telling everybody like everyone just relax. She ran a really really good race. She ended up running a ninety six buyer. We don't have the sheet numbers back yet, but we'll see with her. It's interesting now. The fun part starts because we're going to run in a Breeders Cup race, and we just don't know which one yet. We're talking about possibly to go in the Philly Mare Sprint yes. or go in the uh, go in the Breeders Cup Distaff, and we'll see who's going what about where. Third mile? <laughs> I don't think we want to run against the boys. They're pretty uh, good. I'm probably not Catalina Cruiser, huh? No. I was trying to think. I'm like, who's going to be in there right now? And, you, and your favorite horse I see is possibly going in there too, Catholic Boy. Oh, Dirt Mile for him too? Hmm. That's what they're saying. Well, anyway, listen, we have we can talk about a couple more race recaps. We did those two, which are probably the best two of the weekend, obviously. But we have um, Bentley Combs coming up. He uh, He's a trainer, young guy. I think he's in his early 30s. Um, he was uh, he was an assistant to Dallas Stewart, but before that, he was a betologist at Keeneland. He was one of those guys that goes around and helps people to make bets. So it's an interesting story. We're always trying to get youthful uh, people into this sport, and here's a guy Bentley who will find out about his journey into the world of horse racing ownership, and that's coming up in about five minutes. Okay, well, I have a couple more race race results that we can go over. Yeah. Um, how about Midnight Bizu? Yeah, she was uh, she was pretty awesome. Uh, she put she she was in a battle against uh, Wildcat, who mm-hmm. uh, it wasn't much of a battle at about uh, inside the eighth pole. She just opened <laughs> up and put her away. Uh, Jeff Bloom and his crew, uh, I think it's Madikit uh, who owns a piece of her as well, um, and uh, she'll come into the Breeders' Cup Distaff as a heavy favorite. She might be the most he- heavily favored horse in the card, assuming. A late, a late goes in the Breeders' Cup Classic. Don't you think, Michelle? I, I also feel like she should be a forerunner for Horse of the Year, in my opinion. I don't know why she wouldn't. I mean, she here's the truth. She only got a 91 buyer. We don't put much stock into the buyer. We'll we'll look at the sheet numbers. But she has done – she's seven for seven. I think five of the seven are grade ones or four of the seven. I, don't, I can't confirm. Uh, and she's just been absolutely awesome. They're shipping her in tracks. now. Yeah, they're shipping her to California early so she can get trained over the track and she'll have some breezes over the track. And it's um, she's just uh, she's been marvelous this year. She's been incredible. Uh, Imperial Hint in the Grade One Vosburg over Frenzy Fire. It was a bang up race. The two hooked up at the top of the lane, and I, I, watching the race, Imperial Hint looked like he was beat. He came back to just nail Frenzy Fire on the wire. Both those horses should be tough in the Breeders' Cup Sprint. Um, we'll see how the numbers come back. That was the first time I think I've ever seen Imperial Hint really in a dogfight like that, and it was nice to see him come back. I just don't know how much that took out of him, and I'm really concerned about the 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 track at Santa Anita and just how deep and tiring it is and which horses will handle it and which horses won't. That's a really mm-hmm. interesting thing uh, to think about going into the Breeders' Cup. Um, speaking of the main track, how about the awesome again out here, which had heavily favored McKinsey, higher power who stumbled out of the break and then Mongolian groom just ran away and hid. 
Yeah, one of those crazy races. Uh, Mongolian groom ridden by Abel Sadio, who jumped to the he's just white hot right now. He jumped to the forefront of the jockey first standards. grade one in this race. Grade one, and he won a grade two earlier in the earlier in the day, I believe, as well. As well, excuse me. Um, uh, you know, I don't know what to make of that race. Uh, Mike Smith just it was just announced that he's been replaced on McKenzie. Bob, oh, I did it yep, seriously? Yep, Bob Baffert has replaced Mike Smith. He says he does not know who will ride, but it won't be Mike Smith. Um, I know our good friend Ryan Flanders is very excited about that. Um, you know, Michelle, I, I could, should he have just gone and pressed that horse and would he have won possibly, uh, the track was playing really, really interesting that day. It was very, it was like a no passing zone in the lane and kudos to Sadio and Mongolian groom and their connections. And hopefully we'll see many of those horses back in a rematch. Higher power did have a terrible start and really was never in the race, but still ran. Okay. I think, did he finish third, Michelle? Higher power, yes, yeah. he ran third. So he ran third. So he'll probably be back in the Breeders' Cup Classic as well. He's already got a free uh, free pass from his win in the Pacific Classic for Veronis. I just want to read this quote from Jay Privman's article. I'm still going to use Mike on horses, said Baffert, but for the Classic, I'm going to make a change. I let Mike know now because I want to give him a chance to get something else. Mike didn't, or Baffert did not yet have a replacement, but considering that McKenzie is the pro tem favorite, he'll likely be hearing from plenty of agents in short order. I'm sure he will. I'm sure he will. I mean, you got to think Johnny V is, is riding a uh, coat of honor and I'm sure you're going to talk about I would, that. Rest. I mean, you would think Rosario, right? Cause <laughs> if it was a West horse, I'd say Rosario for sure. Yeah. I think probably Rosario. I don't know who he rides, who rides Vino Rosso. Oh, that was, was it junior Alvarado? No, mm, I don't know who I'll rides to look that up. But yeah, I'm sure you want to talk about the. Oh no, it was Irad, right? Irad wrote him. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Um, speaking of that race, so it was um, a complete disarray in the Jockey Club Gold Cup. Code of Honor, Vino Rosso down to the wire together. Vino Rosso crosses the wire in front, and then gets taken down for possibly impeding Code of Honor. I, I I could not understand this call by the stewards. I, I don't know what the New York so rules are and I, how they're different. I did read somewhere, someone that wrote that made sense to me is like what happened was like Vino Rosso kept kind of coming in at the lateral. And while they didn't like make a contact that hindered Code of Honor per se, you can't move past a horse when he's coming at you on the lateral, which makes sense. Means. Like in polo, that's the way it is, right? What's you ride a horse off. So, um, you know, you come sideways and you push that horse sideways by like being a little more angled than the other horse. So I see that when I, when I heard that explanation, I watched it. I'm like, oh, all right. Cause you, you can't get past someone on the diagonal like that. Right. Well, I think, I think the good news is both horses came out. Okay. And we're going to see a rematch in the British cup classic, which is turning into a really good race. I think it's going to be, um, you know, we were worried about it, but it's, it could be interesting. I mean, we'll I think never it's go back race. to uh, this this spring and Vino Rosso won a grade one over our track as that's, well. That's a very good point, Michelle. Um, Ronan, let's get uh, Bentley Combs on. I think he's going to call right now so we can talk to Bentley and then we'll come back with the rest of the Breeders' Cup preview week uh, here on the Horse Ownership Experience. Didn't yes. even talk about the, the two-year-old races yet, too. We'll have to get to those. Oh, we'll have to get to the Baffert sweep on those <laughs> uh, with eight rings and Bast. She's Hello? the best. Hey, uh, Bentley. Billy. Yes. How you doing? And Michelle. And Michelle. And Michelle. Yeah. Good about you all. Welcome to the horse ownership <laughs> experience. We were just talking a little bit about you. Um, former betologist, which is an amazing story, but tell us a little bit about growing up in the game and, and 
what brought you into horse racing ownership? Well, I, I would say mostly probably an unconventional introduction to the game from the aspect of just purely coming from handicapping. You know, we didn't really own any horses or anything like that growing up as a kid. It was mostly, you know, dad taking me to the OTV back before TVG. Uh, and then watching TVG kind of grow up from there and, and just learning to bet on them and things like that. And, you know, that kind of carried over into the horse ownership as far as, you know, claiming horses and things like that. But you're from Kentucky. You went to, I think I read you went to Louisville. Is that true? Oh, yeah. I mean, we went through the Louisville equine program, which obviously the handicapping aspect kind of, you know, when it came time to pick colleges, to me it was either Arizona or Louisville. And <laughs> Louisville was a little closer to home, so. That's how that came about. Now, is there a handicapping school? Like, did you did they have they have classes? Oh, about, this is amazing. No, no, there wasn't a, a a handicapping class. Although we probably did skip a few classes to go handicapping. But <laughs> I mean, so no, it's both. The, the little program is essentially basically a business aspect of the horse industry. You know, so you learned about stallion syndication. Um, you know, you get a lot of great opportunities to tour some farms and work with some really good professors like Tim Capps when he was there, um, you know, Terry Birch and those people like that. So what is it, what is it, you know, one of the things we talk about all the time on here on the horse ownership experience is, is getting some youth into the game, Bentley, obviously you're a younger guy, um, and you went to the track with your parents. That's usually how it starts out, but how do we attract more of these people um, to, to come and, and bet on our game. In Kentucky, I know it's big, but in the rest of the country, um, not as big. Well, you know, I think that's, in recent years, I think a really good thing that's come about is, you know, Nexus and some of these other, I guess, smaller syndicates that really don't take an, I mean, they take an ownership piece from what I understand in reading about them, but they, they get people into the experience. And then from there, they can take it into, like what Gary Palmazano's done with the Churchill Downs Club, which is, you know, we put up $500 for a share of the horse and we go get a horse for, you know, however much, but you don't see any bills or anything like that, but it gets you a little bit deeper involved into the game. And sure. then, you know, like your involvement with Little Red Feather, that's been a little reading, and like West Point would be another step for somebody to be more and more involved. I think the syndicates are a really good way to transition somebody into becoming a full-fledged owner of their own horse. Well, I appreciate that, and, and obviously we don't pay you to be on the show, but that was very nice of you. <laughs> well, uh, Bentley, you took a different aspect into owning, though, because you were an assistant trainer and then became a trainer and then an owner, right? Right. Actually, uh, well, I was I was actually an owner while I was uh, an assistant for Dallas, um, just you know, in the pure aspect of the claiming game, which I think is a really good thing that I think a lot of people – I guess don't really have a full understanding or education of, and I think it's a really good way to get, you know, group of buddies in as far as being owners and things like that, of just, you know, going out, getting a little $7,500 claimer with conditions and, and having some fun with it. Yeah. And even before that though, I want to go back one more step, Michelle. I read that you were a batologist at Keeneland. So tell us how does one become a batologist and what does that do? Uh, the batologist, uh, basically, it was a really good program. I believe Jonathan, well, Jonathan Fowler was my manager. I believe he was the one to put the program together. And it was a really cool program that hadn't really been done uh, at most racetracks from what I understood. I was also doing the fast bet mobile thing for Churchill, which was a little bit different. But you specifically went out and taught people how to read the program. And, I mean, you had a uniform and all that. So if somebody, you know, had a question, 
you know, you'd show them how to read the program or they, you know, ask what's that for in the paddock or something like that. You'd kind of explain it, you know, people, because Keeneland gets a lot of, um, I guess, first time, first time race goers and stuff like that. They may not be fully, you know, able to read or understand what's going on. So you just kind of help them out and guide them through race day, essentially. Do they, do you get tips when you pick winners? No, I actually, that was probably the worst handicapping meet I had at Keeneland. To oh, be honest, no. I was a betologist. Oh no. <laughs> and then you do people come back and find you though. And they're like, Hey, you told me this horse is a lock. Yeah. Oh no. You got a lot of that. That's why, <laughs> that's why I didn't give out my picks most of the time. I just went ahead and told them how to read the program. <laughs> it, it never failed. Every time you told him your pick, that horse didn't hit the board. So now, like, ah. so now you're a trainer, you're an owner, you're doing your own thing. You're on your own. Tell us a little bit about what that's like. You know, you came from Dallas Stewart School, but now you're you're on your own. You're running it yourself. How are you finding clients? Are you doing this with your own money? What's going on? It's a mixture. You know, uh, originally Ostentation was a horse that we claimed, or I claimed, uh, while I was under Dallas, and then wound up having some fun with him and actually got my first win with him. Um, and then, you know, I mean, it just happened that a couple of people that had been with Dallas, you know, called me up and said, Hey, we got a couple of horses. We'd like you to, to train. And after talking with Dallas, just, we both decided it was time to make that, that leap and go from there. And, and, you know, so Jan was actually the first one to send me a horse and on top of that claiming one or two for myself. And, uh, fortunately one of those was Botswana that, uh, Jenny Reese did the article on, um, and then also 10 strikes been real big. And then from there, it's just kind of grown just through word of mouth. How many horses as far do you as, have? You know, people just, uh, right now we have 11. We have 11. I want to talk about Botswana. Um, that is the article that brought you to the forefront for us to be able to have you on the show. So you claimed this horse with your own money for 30000 and it didn't run great. So kind of walk us through the selection of picking him out, why you claimed him, and then what are your thoughts immediately after when they say that you're going to take him home with you? Um, well, he was kind of a, an anomaly. We'd been looking for a horse to claim out of Keeneland and, you know, I'd been on the rail and I saw this really big, good looking Bay Colt at the time. And I said, man, he looks good, you know, and, and kind of through word of mouth figured out who it was. And they had him in for maiden 30, uh, Darren Miller had him. And, you know, I kind of thought it was weird, but there was only one published work for the horse. I looked around and said, oh, that's not right. There's no way. He looked too good. You know, let's go ahead and let's let's drop a claim on him, see what happens. And lo and behold, he finished dead last. So, <laughs> like I told Jenny, that was a pretty stinking feeling right after he crossed the wire. Just, oh, man, we've made a really big mistake. Because th- $30,000 you know, is not the $7,500 claimers. That's a big investment. No, no, we, we, we swung for the fences on that one. That's for sure. Um, and I thought we'd struck out at first. So, uh, but no, we got him in the barn and, and got him going and everything. We did wind up gelding him, um, which helped him out a lot, I think. And just kind of slowly transitioned. And, and I think one of the biggest things for him was uh, dropping him into a maiden 20 first time out. That we had him and him having a good experience in there. And he definitely grew from there. So that's he slowly grew and built up and built up and is what he is right now. Which is, wait, Michelle, let me just jump in here because we talk about gelding all the time and there's a lot of people who listen to this show who are trying to just trying to get into the horse uh, business and they don't understand what gelding a horse does. Bentley, tell us a little bit about why you think that changed his attitude. 
Um, well, one of the things that I definitely noticed in the post parade out of the race that we claimed him out of was that he didn't really have his mind on racing, quote unquote. He was, uh, basically he was hooting and hollering and had his wiener out, Billy. Okay, Michelle, you and my wife, I'm trying to think term. of a, trying to think of a better way to put that, but yep, there you go. There uh, you. basically he didn't have his mind on racing. Uh, he, he took a shine to the pony more than he did running. So, you know, and some of them, they can be, you know, colts. They can be obstinate. And, you know, that just kind of mellows them out and takes a little bit of the, you know, the, their mind isn't on running, essentially. And I think the gilding some of them definitely, definitely helps with actually, you know, focusing them. Makes a lot of sense. But the interesting thing is you uh, normally when a horse is gelded, they tend to lose a little weight. You said he grew, which I thought was interesting. Oh, no, I mean, like, grow as in, like, talent and actually showing. Like, no, no, he never actually grew in size. I mean, he's a big old horse to begin with. Okay. 17 hands, 1,100 pounds, and he's big to begin with. Okay, great. Michelle. But, no, they – go ahead, sorry. No, that's okay. We're, we're listening to you. I'm waiting for Michelle. Oh, no, no, I know no, she they, ha- they, they, Michelle usually they has a thousand – Michelle usually has a thousand questions, and I constantly cut her off, and we're not in the same room, so that's why I was being – um, generous and telling her to just go for it. Well, uh, I just wanted to know, you know, taking on that Colt then and, and making 140 grand with him this year, is it, is it different to have your own horses as a trainer? Um, do you feel differently about them than when you are just the trainer for someone else's horses? Mm, not really. I mean, you want to see success for all of them obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, you know, I don't think he received any special treatment versus another horse or anything like that. Uh, I mean, obviously you're, you have more control over the overall path and campaign of the horse, obviously, because you know, whereas you and the owner may not mesh up as far as where in the condition book we ought to put this horse, you know, you're seeing him in the morning, every morning and getting to look at the condition book and know where you can put him, which mm-hmm. is the best spot for him, you know, that makes what, a lot of sense. what was the learning curve like coming from working with Dallas where you have mostly stakes horses and you've obviously been big places with some of them to the Breeders' Cup and to the Kentucky Derby into having, I would assume, mostly claiming horses? You know, it being with Dallas was a really good asset as far as, you know, Dallas has a really good eye for looking at every horse individually and making tweaks and things like that which is definitely what you need in the claiming game. And on top of my own personal history of coming from a handicapping background, I really think those two kind of kind of mesh together to, to really make it not that tough of a transition. It's actually really, you know, to me, the claimers are kind of the more fascinating of the group just mm-hmm. in the fact of obviously, you know, everybody wants Saturday horses, but it's always real fun to go ahead and get that claimer in and then, you know, maybe make a tweak, do something a little bit different and maybe move them up a little bit, you know? And that's that's the really cool part about the claimers to me. Yeah, it's a big it's a big challenge to do that, Michelle. Michelle, can I ask a jump in and qu- ask yeah. a quick question? I went on Bre- uh, bentleycombsracing.com and I see on your saddle towels, you know, we're big big into branding and I see this cross what is the logo? What does that mean? Is it am I missing something? <laughs> Everybody asks that. Well, that's um, good. Then I'm on the right ac- track. It's actually in uh it's an ampersand. It's a script ampersand. Oh, um, okay. I've had, 
I didn't want to do like a regular like G looking ampersand. I just want to do like the the script. That's how I do my ands when I write. Um, I've had everybody ask me, you know, do you grow up on a ranch? You know, is that their brand? Mm-hmm. No, I'm Lexington man. Uh, but what is but an ampersand? Say, oh, yeah, is and so what is the and? What does that mean? What does it mean to you? Uh, if you've ever looked at movie credits or like legal papers or something, if you see the way that I understand it is if you see somebody's name and then A and D spelled out and then somebody else's name, that means they worked on it separately. Whereas if you see somebody's name and then an ampersand and then somebody's name, it means they worked on it together. I like that. Yeah. Teamwork makes the dream work kind of thing. Teamwork makes the dream work. I like that. That's very mm-hmm. cool, Billy. Good good work. Okay, see it now it makes sense. See, I liked it like it when it's a little you're not really sure what it is, so you know, but people gotta ask. But it looks good. It looks good on your on your saddle towels. I'm looking at the pictures of your horses right now. Is it it I always say, you know, I'm watching, uh, I, I'm looking through the forum on a, on a Thursday and a Friday, and I see some of these barns that are really small. And I say, affordability-wise, this must be very, very difficult to stay in business because you're just not, you don't have the, the numbers. What, as a young trainer, how, how are you dealing with the expenses and all of these things to, to make this your career? That's a very good question. Um, you know, it's, it is a tough go of it and you hope you catch a break and things like that, but you just have to be mindful of, of essentially, you know, your payroll, everything. I mean, it's that now that's the one big transition from being an assistant to a trainer that I found is just having to pay attention to every little detail as far as getting, you know, the bills, you know, maybe we need to find a different source of hay or, you know, do we really need three hot walkers when we can do it too? And, you know, jump in and do a little extra yourself. I mean, it's, it, it's tough in that aspect, but you just have to be very detail oriented in order to not have too much cost involved. Right. And are you cognizant of your day rate? Whereas, you know, you went with Dallas Stewart. He obviously is a very large stable. I have no idea what Dallas Stewart's day rate is. And uh, do you charge less because you are a smaller stable or are your expenses the exact same? You know, I, I went a little bit less than Dallas just because, you know, obviously the economics of it. You can't go too low or else, you know, you're, you're hemorrhaging money, essentially. Um, and that's, that's having an MBA also helped me in kind of pricing as far as, you know, finding out what was actually economic, economically feasible. Plus, you know, it's, it's the level of care in the way of, you know, what's it going to cost me to do this the right way where I actually look around and go, you know what, that's my horse, that's my, my webbing that that horse is standing behind, sure. you know? sure. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense, and and I, I think they're hopefully that you will be a inspiration to others who have gotten in the game. You know, we have a gentleman out here, um, Andrew Lerner, who was actually one of our owners in Little Red Feather. He was a partner of ours that decided he wanted to go into and be a trainer, and he's done very very well. And I I think this kind of younger generation has to at some point uh, take control because the. With all due respect, the uh, Bob Bafferts and the Bill Motts and these t- and the Shug McGahees aren't going to be around forever. Right. Exactly. I completely agree. Bentley, uh, you know, you came from the business program, which is obviously horse-based. And as a gambler, I'm sure your friends like to go to the track. Have you been able to convert them into owners? Like, have you tried to do something that uh, is similar to a small syndication just amongst, like, your buddies to try and bring them into the game? Um, our first, I guess, real experiment will come up with a horse, uh, that we've got that we actually just got into training. 
but uh, he's pretty much the first one so far. Um, you know, I pretty much I just try and get people out. To me, I try and get people out into the mornings, you know, to see what it is that we do in the mornings. Mm-hmm. Because to me, that translates more. That, that makes more long-lasting fans to me if they see what all goes into the morning and how that translates into the afternoon rather than just seeing the afternoon. So yeah, makes a lot of sense. I don't know if that. No, 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 absolutely. Talk real quick because we, we're running out of time, but I want to hear your handicapping strategies. Are you a sheet guy? You're a ragazin guy. Are you a uh, form guy, buyer guy, video guy? What are you? Uh, form guy, but I don't really pay attention to the buyers. Um, wait, wait, DRF or Briz? DRF. Ah, oh, good. Um, <laughs> you know, more of a form guy. I look at the track variant a lot. Plus, it's just an own personal knowledge of, you know, certain tracks like, you know, Hawthorne is in a pretty deep track. So if you see a horse coming off a of Hawthorne where they did six furlongs in like, you know, 109 or something, you look around and go, good. Wow. Okay. This horse can run a little bit no matter where he is. Or you look at like uh, speed biases and things like that, like Keeneland back when it was dirt before it was poly and now it's back to dirt. You know, it used to be a conveyor belt. If you were in the lead at the top of the stretch, you were pretty much home free. So you look for a speed horse there. It's just kind of all a mishmash of, of things, really. No, that it may, that makes that's uh, good advice. Let, a final question, Bentley, and we'll let you go. Um, uh, tr- we we always want to know what advice you would give to someone just starting in the game uh, as an owner. That's this is called the horse ownership experience. So as an owner, give us a little bit of uh, the best advice you would give. Hmm, that's a tough question. Um, well, you didn't, we, you didn't advice, want, we didn't uh, want to just give you, you know, uh, easy slam dunk questions <laughs> here. This is thought provoking. Yeah, softball one in there. Yeah. Uh, no, my, my biggest advice would be to go, like I said, in the mornings, go meet trainers or, you know, I mean, I'm sure like, obviously some trainers going to be busy. They're not going to be hassled or something like that. Or go to the afternoon and, you know, just kind of get a look and a feel for it. I mean, obviously you want to talk to, uh, and that is going back to the younger generation. I think a lot of these younger trainers nowadays are more willing to, to talk to you like, here, come talk to me, ask questions, you know? Sure. Absolutely. Let's, you know, get you informed, man. I think that's good advice. Make sure you get on the grounds. Uh, Bentley Combs, continued success. We'll be rooting for you. If you happen to come out to the Breeders' Cup, uh, you know, come make sure you say hello to us and make sure you say hi to Michelle and uh, really appreciate your time today and we wish you all the success in the world. Will do. Thank you all for having me. All right. Thank you. Bentley Combs. Bentley uh, Combs, former betologist. I just like saying betologist. I know. You're so funny about that, Bentley. <laughs> All right. Uh, we appreciate it, Bentley. We'll All talk right, to guys. you soon. Yeah. Good job, Michelle. Good job, you. Yeah. yeah I, I like really having young, young, young people no, that come and- up on their own merit, and it's cool. Look, and we want to help people in the industry, too. We want to help people get on their feet, and we want to, you know, last week we had um, what, your guy. What's his name? I just totally blanked. I don't remember being on last week. I thought we. Um, no, no, the guy with the uh, uh, with the ponytail with the. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Safi. Safi. We had Safi on, and he was tremendous. Like, I mean, guys like this, you just. I wish I had enough horses and and funds to just you know, hey, put a horse here, put a horse there, put a horse with Ryan Hansen, you know, all those kind of things. Notice I gave you a little plug there. Um, Thanks. all these young trainers. So I appreciate that. Good job, Michelle, uh, bringing Bentley Combs into the horse ownership experience. We still have a little bit of time. Why don't we catch okay. up on, uh, some of those, uh, other breeders cup yeah, preview so races. Had, 
we had two uh, two-year-old races out here. We had the Chandelier and the American Pharaoh. Um, the Shan- both are run by Bob Baffert trainees. The Chandelier by Fast and um, <laughs> the American Pharaoh by Eight Rings, who was seeking some redemption. Why are you uh, laughing at Bast? The rail. Why are you laughing at Bast? Because I told you the story okay. of her name. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's exactly why I'm laughing. <laughs> Because every time I say it now, I like crack up. I thought, I, I don't know if Comical ran just the best race of her life or if Bass just wasn't as impressive as she was in the debutante. I, I couldn't really tell. It was the first time, two turns, really, really deep track. Um, Bauma Corporation has a good one on their hands. I think she's going to be obviously one of the she's favorites the in, the, in the Breeders' Cup and she's the best. So um, they should have t-shirts that say she's the best. Oh, do you want me to tell you my t-shirt idea that I was going to do for Breeders' Cup? Yeah. So if you watched, you probably didn't watch it, but on the NBC coverage of the Rodeo Drive, Randy Moss, after the race, said, you know, listen, these guys are great. And they they it was a great race. But um, Phillies and mares coming out of the Rodeo Drive are 0 for 40 in the Breeders' Cup. So I wanted to do T-shirts that just said one for 41 with like our logo on it. (laughs) But I don't know. Anyway, Uh, what do you think of eight rings? I, you know, I thought he was impressive. I, again, I, I, I think the, the track at Santa Anita over the weekend was so deep and tiring that it, it really didn't flatter anybody. I didn't mm-hmm. think any of the dirt races, anybody looked particularly like explosive or, um, I don't even know the other. Oh, adjectives. except for Simon Callahan's first time starters. That Philly was a beast. I think some horses are, and I think it's really interesting. Again, I'll repeat it for Breeders' Cup. It's really going to be, you, you really need to watch the horses, I believe, train in the weeks mm-hmm. prior and see how they're getting over this track. Um, I thought Eight Rings was a lock. I thought he won impressively. I thought George Papa Padromo's horse, um, the American Amer- Theorem. The American Theorem. I thought he ran a really, really good race to hang in there for second. Uh, and I think eight rings, I've, I've, I called it, you know, Derby winner after his maiden race is too bad. Drayden fell off in his second race. Obviously I feel about that, Jump. Michelle, that, that Johnny V comes in, rides both those horses that Drayden normally rides and Baffert's excuse was that he wasn't sure if Drayden was going to be back from his injury. Do you believe that? I'd take my right to play the fifth amendment. So you don't believe that. Okay. Um, you know, and, and how do you, if you're Drayden Van Dyke, how do you show up at the barn, like, and work 10 horses the next day? Like, it's it's just, and Baffert has a history of doing this. I mean, he did it with Martin Garcia. He's done it with Talamo. He's done it with now with Mike Smith. Um, this is kind of his thing, and I think he just spits riders out, uh, good or bad. As an owner, um, I've come to realize. You know what? what? Here's the deal, though. Yeah. When, when you're Baffert and you end up using like one rider constantly, everybody reads into it if you ride someone else. When the majority of our trainers out here really tab different riders, so I don't feel like it's just as obvious if you make a rider swap. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, of course. He's high profile. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. But I'm just saying from a from a personality level and from a, how do you not get dejected if you're dating Van Dyke and have to go mm-hmm. work horses for Baffert on Saturday I morning? You don't, when, you don't have to go work horses if you don't want to. Right. But that's what Martin Garcia da, did. And he became virtually irrelevant. But that's because he moved. Well, he moved across the country. Yeah. But he came back. Yeah. He came back. But is that really what you do? I mean, you don't move if someone takes you off, takes know. you off, it's or a, whatnot. It's a, it's a you think Mike's situation. not going to go work a horse now? 
I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't have the answer to that. I'm not Mike. I guess what it comes down to is if you ever, if you want to have a good horse and you want to be in the good graces, then if you get taken off because you did something dumb, you just saddle up and ride the next one he gives you, whether it's good or bad. All right. Let's talk about something positive. And let's talk about my man, Phil D'Amato, who is uh, the magician, who is uh, had a, a weekend. Remember, he wins on Friday the uh, the sprint, the turf sprint with Pee Wee Reese, who's probably going to the Breeders' Cup sprint, mm -hmm. uh, turf sprint. Then he comes back and runs 1-2 in the John Henry with Cleopatra Strike for our good friends at Slam Dunk Racing and mm -hmm. runs second with Acclimate, Acclimate. Who, will, who already had his ticket punched to the Breeders' Cup. So I don't think Cleopatra Strike comes back in the Breeders' Cup. I just think it's a mile and a half is too far for him. Um, I think they'll point to uh, – I think there's a race down at Delmar. Cleopatra Strike? Hmm. Yeah. Well, he's a good horse, though. I'll tell you that. Then the Rodeo Drive, he wins with Murph. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty, pretty good weekend from my man Phil. It is. We should have Phil. Edition. We should have Phil on one day. <laughs> Maybe. Um, okay, okay. So what else we got? Coming up this weekend? Oh, yeah. Let's do it. Grade one race coming up this weekend Santa Anita Sprint Championship, which will feature Omaha Beach, allegedly. And Shunsalot, who was like, was right all summer the fastest horse in America until he got beat. Um, and he has come out here and he has put works in over the surface, which I think is clutch. And those works, at least one of them, are available on XBTV. Yep. We have a lot of stakes races. What else we got? We got the City of Hope Mile. Yeah. The woman in the swing time. Hey, let me tell you about the City of Hope Mile because we're in there with Andesh. And that is going to be a hell of a race. You got Bolo, Catapult, Andesh, Prince Earl. I heard Synchrony might be coming in. Um, I know I'm leaving someone out. That's really good. Uh, River Boyne might run. It is going to be it is going to be the top Southern California milers. The only one missing is Bowie's Hero, who's going to run at Keeneland on mm -hmm. Saturday in the one million dollar Grade One Maker's Mark. How you like okay. that? How you like that for like knowledge? It. And then on Sunday, the Speakeasy, the Surfer Girl, and the Zuma Beach. I think the Speakeasy is on Saturday. Oh, no, no. Mm -hmm. I'm sorry. I was thinking about the uh, swing, time. swing Time. Yeah, we got mm -hmm. two in there. You're wow. one of your Two of your favorite horses are going in there battling each other. You ready for this? Oh, no. I don't like it when my favorite horses go against each other. Super Patriot and Taurine Dancer take on, I heard, Toinette is going to be in there. So Toinette, yeah. That's going to be. Uh, well, I, mean, I do like Terrain Dancer better than Super Patriot. I just can't believe a Super Patriot. Who claims Baffer horses and then keeps winning with them? Jeez well, Louise. turf. Remember, turf horses. Turf yeah. horses. Turf horses. Let's keep it straight. <laughs> we but, moved you know, those turf horses up. But it's going to be a great weekend at Santa Anita. The weather should be perfect. Please come out. If you want more information about horse ownership. Oh, let me tell you what's going on real quick. Yeah, yeah go ahead. Uh, Okay, sorry, but um, so obviously racing on Thursday and Friday, free clubhouse admission, um, both those days, and free parking. $2 beers on Fridays also. Saturday is Oktoberfest, the football pick'em, brunch in the front runner, and the Golden Road Pub. Also, if you're in the area, come try out the new clubhouse loge box seats. They're awesome. They've got a great view. It's right past the wire. There's phone chargers in them. You can't go wrong. And then Sunday is uh, the handicapping contest, the $40 handicapping contest as well. Oh, you know, and there's a brand new section. There's an owner-trainer kind of yeah, section. Yeah, there's an owner-trainer lounge now. Yeah, that's supposed to be amazing. Yeah, I haven't been there. I haven't been yet. Yeah. Me neither. 
I, I hear it's fantastic. So if you do have your owner's license and you want to go check it out, it's right just to the bring a guest. left of the suite area. Um, should be a great weekend of racing. Thank you to all our sponsors, uh, TaylorMade, um, Santa Anita, Del Mar. We really pre- appreciate Bentley Combs coming on, the former betologist who is now an <laughs> owner and a trainer. Sure Michelle, that's what he wants to be known as, yeah, the I'm former sure. betologist. <laughs> Michelle Yu is a gem as always. She was fantastic. She made me cry this weekend. And, uh, well, it's gonna be it's gonna be a hell of a uh, weekend at Santa Anita, and I'm just gonna give a little tip, Raymundo on Friday. Raymundo's Raymundo, what? Not a secret anymore. No secret anymore. We'll see you guys next Tuesday, where we'll have more Breeders' Cup uh, preview recaps, and um, I can't wait for the Breeders' Cup re- preview show, Michelle. <laughs> it's gonna be fun. We always have fun on that show. Should we have anybody else with us on that day? No, no, just really. me and you. We can't- just can't let anybody else on we do things like that because it's like tangent city it really is okay have a great day everyone uh enjoy it and we'll see you out at the races if you need more information uh billy at littleredfeather.com uh tweet us at own a horse at the b at bklrf i know billy Couch 17 i always forget uh bklrf uh, at the Michelle U. Michelle is on the uh, Sandy to broadcast every racing day she's amazing listen to her picks. she's a genius and have a great day Bye. You're listening to the Horse Ownership Experience with Billy Koch and Michelle Yu, right here on LA Talk Radio. Midnight Storm, a brilliantly fast grade one winner by Pioneer of the Nile. Mike Smith just points him in the right direction. Midnight Storm dominating. Millionaire and seven-time graded stakes winner on dirt and turf. Midnight Storm over accelerators, finding the line well, but not well enough. And Midnight Storm has taken it by two lengths. From America's hottest sire line. Midnight Storm, he wins it this year. Midnight Storm. Standing at TaylorMade Farm.